Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit-Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio, told like it is. I'm Frank Ravello, uh, the conductor, uh, <laughs> Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing tonight, man? Watch you finally. The camera came, you didn't even notice. You're getting old. You're getting slow, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I feel uh, I feel it now. And I saw wearing a Cartoni jersey. Just get that, that's that weight to it. Everything. You oh, know? I thought you threw that on to celebrate the fact that they finally won. <laughs> they a game. finally won. And they scored more than one goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, so um, oh my. So uh, first of all, uh, big shout out to uh, United Daily Pod um, and uh, and uh, Ben Pierce. Thank you for uh, having me on this morning. I uh, was on with Matt Santangelo uh, previewing. Uh, Man United and Milan uh, in th- on Thursday for the Europa League. We will talk about that a little bit later in the podcast, along with Roma's big date with Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, we'll also break down the three big games that took place on Match Week 26, the 32 goals that happened over the weekend in Match Week 26. And uh, could you imagine a Match Week, Richard, 32 goals and Atalanta didn't score? Yeah, no. I would if you if I was a betting man, I wouldn't have bet that, right? And uh, I'm going to go on the record and say majority of these goals were goals of the week candidates. It was a fantastic weekend for goals, beautiful goals at that. And uh, yeah, yeah, Atalanta not scoring. I mean, who would have thunk it, right? Yep. And we'll uh, we'll talk about the rest of match week 26, and then of course we will uh, wrap it all up with. Who won Calcio Twitter, the world's most popular hashtag game? Uh, and we have got a ton of entries. Uh, not you know, uh, not surprising that a lot of last-second entries uh, today, Richard. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, don't know why, huh? Something um, happened today with an Italian team abroad. I don't know. Once again, Juventus is out of the Champions League, and that's where we will lead this podcast. Uh, David, Tyler, and uh, uh, Gilia Patate. Ciao. Good to see you guys. Uh, once again, if you are on uh, any of our streams here, please check in with us. Uh, it'd be good to see uh Good to see and hear uh, from uh, who is giving us a, a view today. So, um, but anyway, Juventus out of the Champions League yet again and again for the second straight season in the round of 16. Uh, they go down to Porto, 10 uh, man Porto at that on the away goals rule. They win three, they, they get it to extra time after 2 1. Uh, and then in the away goals rule, uh, as Porto scored an extra time and then Juve followed up, but they could not get the extra goal uh, necessary to move on to the last eight. Now, um, I want to get the first thing first out of the way, Richard. Um, when we get to extra time, I have been saying this for years. I have been saying this for as long as I have gotten familiar with, with cup football and two-legged ties. If, if, if ever a game, if ever a tie has to go to those extra 30 minutes, away goals rule should be thrown out. Yeah, you know, I do like the away goals, but I, I agree with you. I think in overtime, I think it should be wiped zero. Um, we've seen many teams be affected by this. And yeah, yeah. I get it, but you know it, it is unfair at a point when you get to overtime. You're, you're both teams struggle to get to this far. They should be wiped out and be zero zero at that point. Yeah, um, we saw great teams in the past. I mean, I, I look back at you know 2008, 2009 when Zenit, you know Zenit St. Petersburg, they had a great team under uh, under Arshavin, and you know they lost to Bayern Munich in, in extra time. 
because of the way goals rule, they, they won something like three one in overtime or something. But mm-hmm. uh, because the away, away goals rule, they lost the legs. So um, yeah, it, it's it's a difficult uh, rule. I think that something needs to be tweaked. Um, but and it sure made Juventus pay for it. Uh, Who would have thunk that uh, they would have lost on a free kick goal, right? I mean, I guess yeah. it was away goal, but still, it was a goal nonetheless. And it's and and it's for a very simple reason. You don't play the extra thirty minutes in the first leg. So the team that the team that um, is um, is is the home team for the second leg. If it gets to that, they're at a massive disadvantage if they concede. Yeah. It means they have yeah. to score twice. Yeah. You know, um, when if you get to that point after 180 minutes of football, it, at that point, and you got to play another 30, the way goals rule gets thrown out. Simple as that. So that's my that's my uh, you know reset revise rant go ahead and david david is saying something asking would you would we prefer the golden gold rule i personally would not because i've always hated the golden gold rule and it's and the golden gold rule it works in like hockey and, and, and other sports right but i think in and in, in, in soccer football whatever you want to call it uh it's great to see you know a team scoring overtime early and then finding the other team still has time to try to come back we've seen results where a team has scored early in overtime and then the other team scored like three four goals you know to counteract that so you get that emotion intensity uh, it's great to see this. I don't want to see the golden goal rule. I, I still want to see the 30 minutes, but I, I think the, the away goals rule needs to be wiped out, like you said, uh, once overtime hits and then let them, uh, whoever has scores the most goals wins. If not, go to penalties. But, you know, it's um, for this season with how condensed everything is, I think the golden goal rule would have yeah. made some sense. Yeah, that's fair but, shot. But, you know, this is probably, this is a season where could, we could have made an exception to have it happen. Um, you know, but you know, if we had a normal calendar of fixtures, then no, I I'm, I'm with you. I want the entire extra time to play out. So, um, you know, so I think that that's, that's probably where I, I maybe would play devil's advocate on your take just a little bit, but sure. so that's out of the way, but now Juventus, we keep doing this. <laughs> we keep fucking doing this with these guys. They spent all that money to bring in the pretty boy, right? And then this, and, and you know, and I'm going to go off on everybody, okay? First of all, <laughs> Porto, over the course of both games, did a magnificent job defending yeah. him. I made this comment because, you know, with a friend that we're, you know, building Champions League DFS slates, I didn't play Ronaldo. Um, and it didn't work out for me because I played Morata instead of Chiesa, you know, so, uh, but I had Holland and I had some of these other guys. Um, you know, but and I made the comment to him. I said, I just I'm reminded of the first leg and how Porto defended around Ronaldo. They they uh, they did a great job on him, and I think they're going to do the job on him again. They have a guy like back there in Pepe who knows him really well, okay, yeah. and is going to be able to deal with him. So you have that. I liked the idea of Morata playing from the start because this takes it as a target takes some takes some takes some attention away from Ronaldo. Because if you're if you're gonna overload, if you're gonna overcrowd Ronaldo, if you're gonna triangle around him or whatever you're gonna do, then that that's gonna free up a Murata more, even in crossing situations. So I like Murata playing from the start. Murata came through. He had, I think he had three or four shots on target in this game. He was really close. I mean, very early in the game, he should have he should have scored. Uh, Marquezen was um, Marquezen was excellent on that save. Um, so, you know. Quadrado had 32 crosses in this game. Yeah. 32. All right. I mean, they did. I mean, obviously they did everything they could to try to, to try to win this, but I mean, the optics of this for Juventus are so bad. I see Ricky saying worst hundred million invested I've ever seen. Well, they, they made, 
they probably made that back in all of the shirts and kits that they sold. Did he never remember okay. the Milan $100 million purchase from a few years ago? That was probably the worst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Rossonero Sport Luxembourg is probably one of the yeah. worst uh, sports investments. <laughs> so, you know, you know, so Quadrado obviously was excellent. I mean, I don't know how much more service he can provide these guys. And you know, it, Ronaldo just couldn't find any room, couldn't find any space. You know, Morata got free for some chances. Beautiful cross by Quadrado on the Chiesa goal. And boy, Federico Chiesa, if, if it had not been for I, – I wonder how miserable the season this would be for Juve if, if Federico Chiesa didn't raise his level of play. Yeah. Um, you know, um, the penalty in the first half, I actually thought Tomedi – I think – is it Tomedi? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I thought Tomedi made contact with Demerel first. Um, when I looked at it on the replays, he um, was smart. He was very intelligent on that play. Yeah. He got in the way and yeah, yeah, it's tough call. It's a tough call. I, I mean, I don't like seeing those kind of penalties when the player, obviously the offensive player knew what he was doing. Uh, yeah. he clearly was. And I mean, penalty. that's technically was a penalty, but I mean, yeah, I hate that call. I hate that call just cause they're doing it intentionally, you know? And I don't know. Yeah. Now, and Agnelli, okay, now listen, okay, not only have you gone out of the Champions League at very early stages, you know, the round of 16 and then the quarterfinals with Cristiano Ronaldo in your squad, you went out to Ajax, Lyon, and Porto, okay? You didn't go out to Bayern Munich. You didn't go out to Manchester City. You didn't go out to a Real Madrid or a Barcelona, you know, or anybody like that. You went out to Ajax, Lyon, and Porto, teams that are good teams, but teams that are coming from middle-of-the-pack nations when it comes to the European landscape. Now, let's face it. Let's not bullshit each other. Do they have history? Do they have pedigree? Absolutely, they do. Yeah. But compared to the, the Premier League and the Bundesliga and La Liga and Serie A, those are regarded as the top four leagues. Sure. And if you're supposed to be the champion of one of the top four leagues, you're supposed to go out and beat a team from one of these, these middle, you know, upper-middle-tier leagues, let's just say. To be right. to, to slightly counteract you, I, I'm gonna just say that that IX team that, that beat them was a fantastic team. But the rest of those okay. clubs, yeah, I agree with you 100. That was just a unique circumstance with IX where they were just fantastic. That they were beating everybody last, that year. They really could have gone all the way. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you 100. They, this is a you know, they're a Serie A team who's supposed to be one of the big giants. You should be able to take these kind of teams. And but it's 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 still optics, you know. I mean, Makes this isn't. You know, it was a good Ajax. It wasn't Louis van Gaal's Ajax of the 90s, okay? Um, and uh, those guys were killers, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know I know the hard way. Um, Juve Daily, we played terrible in the first half, played like amazing in the second half. I'm very pissed at this team, I think. You should be pissed at this team. You know who you should be pissed at, too? Andrea Agnelli, he's got this just – absolute obsession not just with the the you know we talked about Juve's obsession with the Champions League but this just cringeworthy desire to have this European Super League and you can't even beat the teams from the up you know from the leagues that are supposed to be below teams that you probably don't want in your Super League and you're and you can't beat them yeah I mean, and you want to have a Super League and you want to go play against Bayern Munich and Manchester City and Real Madrid every week? Good luck Good to luck. you. Good luck. Good luck to you anybody. Know, and, you know, in the 100 million, as Ricky said, he sold a bunch of shirts and sold a bunch of kits. Congratulations. 
But there was a reason why they made this investment in Cristiano Ronaldo. They wanted to bring all big ears to the, to Turin. All right, and it's it hasn't happened. It's another fail. This is a failure. Okay, this is a failure to go out and to go out on a free kick on a poor wall on your hundred million dollar man turning his back <laughs> yeah. when the ball is struck and the ball going under everybody and Chesney still having a shot at it and couldn't get it. Okay, going up. That's just calamity. The optics are just horrible. All right. And I'm speaking as somebody whose, you know, son is a huge Juve fan and was disappointed for him. Okay. And, you know, he said, hey, we weren't good enough. That <laughs> my nine year old son it wasn't, we weren't good enough. We'd, we deserve to go out. If we can't, and he, you know, he'd even say to the effect, he said, if we can't beat Porto, how are we supposed to win this tournament? That's right. So, <laughs> you know, there's a nine-year-old saying that. Yeah. So, uh, that, that wall was a disgrace. I mean, we've seen, I forgot what team, someone had a meme up there, and I think we maybe will be show, show it later, but uh, there, you know, good walls or teams will cover themselves, and men that cover their man parts, you know, cover their face, and then someone lays on the ground, and that's like the impeccable wall. And you saw three guys, and they all turned their back and opened their legs, and the ball went right underneath. Chesney had no shot, no shot at that. You know, he's expecting the wall to do the job. And at least, you know, at least if it goes by them and, and they do their job, it is what it is. But no, they went right through the wall. He had no chance whatsoever because he's, you know, he's guarding the other, other posts. Uh, so, yeah, very poorly done by that wall. Yeah. So, you know, it's another failure. And it's just like, you know, you want to say to Andrea Agnelli, hey, how about, you know, looking at Renault said, hey, it's been great, but. We gotta we gotta move on and I gotta think long term about this team. And if we're going to be a fixture in Europe, I've got to, you know, we've got to come up with some different ideas. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna have to for for as much exposure and for as you know, as as much presence as he brings, you know, at some point, and he he obviously still can bring he still can give you something. He's the leading scorer in this in in the city, yeah. But you're going to have to get to a point where you're going to have to make a very difficult decision surrounding a guy that's in his mid thirties too, on top of everything and say, we, we got to try something different, you know, three straight seasons. And, and you know what, before he arrived, Juventus was reaching champions league finals under Allegri. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget two of them. So it's just, it's a debacle, you know, and before Agnelli can think about a super league where he can, you know, share money with all of the big clubs around Europe. He should probably worry about getting his own house in order that can go deep into this competition and prove that they can be a fixture in this, you know, on the continent. We know they're a fixture in Italy. They're going to be year in and year out, uh, even sitting in third right now. But honestly, they have, they've got to, they've got to clean up shop and they've got to figure out a different strategy for how they're approaching, how they're approaching things. So that if, because if they want to be a fixture in Europe, on a regular basis, this ain't working. Yeah, and then the confusing thing was the whole thing with the Pirlo signing, right? And then Pirlo could be the you know the correct signing down the, you know years if you look this down the line in hindsight. Um, but you know the, the, the signing to him almost looked like they're looking for the future, they're building for the future, right? But then you also have Ronaldo, who you've built for the now, uh, and the goal was obviously win Champions League. So you know the optics didn't read that you really are going for the Champions League when you bring in a young manager who doesn't have that experience. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been very weird for them. Uh, they have some good pieces there, but, uh, I, I saw one of the, I think it was BT sport or somebody else was, you know, in the pregame match, we're talking about how, um, Juve didn't have the, 
didn't have a didn't have it they had it very too easy in, in the league and blah 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 blah. And it was like some stupid excuse and I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about, just stop talking. Um but I think you know overall with Juventus they need to figure something out. I mean, uh, there's some pieces there, but there are some p- bad pieces there too, right? Uh, obviously, the Ronaldo is a piece that probably should move. Uh, it makes more sense. You know, even some Juve fans, even like Juve Daily here, said maybe we just change the whole GM too and just change, you know, a lot of things. Um, I don't think it's a blow-up situation there with Juventus, but they need to certainly move some big pieces around, um, free up some space, because I think they could uh, they could still be as competitive as they are, uh, minus his 20 goals in the season without, without Ronaldo, I think. They're, they're a I mean- good enough team. The money that they're dumping in, the the money that they're dumping for him to be on that team right now, you know that money can easily get spread out, and you can get your get you two or three decent players, uh, have your team be deeper. You've got Federico Chiesa who is emerging now. Oh yeah. Okay. I had another phenomenal game today. Um, you've you've got uh, you know if they can make Morata permanent, he's a a striker that has scored at many different levels and has still got some still got some years in him. Yep. Uh, Quadrado has, this has been Quadrado, you know, he had the injury that set him back a little bit, but this has been the best I've seen Juan Quadrado play for Juventus. Yeah. Um, New position too this year too. You yeah. Know, so, um, yeah. Delict is obviously starting to come to the forefront, you know, Demorel, he's going to get better. I think he's had a rough, rough week and a rough last yeah. like month, but he's going to merge and imagine those two in the, in the back line for a long time. You know, they signed McKinney there finally, uh, to a permanent deal. And there's some pieces there. Kulashevsky, he's young still. Um, you know, some other, some young guys like Ferbota as well. So they got some pieces there. Yeah. Uh, but there's also some older pieces, some big pieces that should move and free up some space. Because I agree. You know, you sell him and you you bring in a couple other three other pieces who are around like 30 million euros, or whatever, and you can have a pretty strong team and you could still have that depth. Yep. Um, in- so indeed. So it's uh, you know, it's another failure. It's, I mean. I, it's it's to a point where I just I, I I don't even like laughing at them anymore because it's just it's it's they they talk about wanting to win this trophy and it's just so creepy that and 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 how they go about doing it um, and they just decide Ronaldo was their all in and they have not been able to get past they had one season where they got to the quarterfinals and then two more two seasons here where they couldn't get get out of the last sixteen. And, uh, you know, some changes have to be done. Um, yep. Some changes have to be made. Um, Juve's question about, do you think Milan will win the league this year? It is going to take, and I said this on United Daily this morning, I said it is going to take a tragedy with Inter at this point. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to have one of their significant contributors get hurt to a level where it's going to impact them. And I'm talking about a Lukaku, a Barella, uh, you know, somebody of that ilk. Um, you know, I just, it's, it's theirs to, it's theirs to lose at this point. I pick, I picked Juve to win this title this year too. So, um, you know, but I just, I, it, it's, I think I've said enough about this, this situation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's Juventus has been a, uh, it's been a breath of fresh air for some of us uh, today, just because we got something else to talk about, and uh, not necessarily a good thing with with this. But um, again, uh, yeah, again, another early exit in in the Champions League, and um, you know now the focus goes back to Syria for most of the teams, not all the teams, but most of the teams. And please, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to rip Juve to pieces or Juventus Twitter or, or, no. or any of you guys. No, I I I'm different from a lot of the. Calcio fans on Twitter. I want 
the Serie A teams to do well in Europe because if they do well, it shines a good light on Serie A and it brings more attention to Serie A. So when the trade, when the 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 marquee team uh, or the what's supposed to be the marquee team that, for this competition until Milan eventually gets back in it, um, can't get past the round of sixteen. It's a problem. It really is. Yeah. Um, Before we get off the Juventus topic, I do want to touch on something. Uh, I think Adriano mentioned. Uh, you know, Chiesa. Chiesa is playing phenomenally for Juventus, yeah. especially as of late. You know, will that success read over into the Azzurri? Uh, and it's interesting because we know how Mancini plays. Where would Chiesa fit? I, if he if he carried this form into the Azzurri, that would be amazing, right, for the team. But where would he fit? And I think also if you're looking, if you're Zagnolo and you're seeing this, you're probably like, yeah, I should just take the time off. I know you want to come back, but I mean, with Chiesa coming in form now and the pieces that are already there playing well, I think it's you know work on that knee, buddy, and take a take a extra time to make sure that's fully healthy. But Chiesa with the Azzurri, where would he fit? I'm not sure. Mancini has a, a big headache to worry about now because it's someone who is obviously talented, who's in form, but how does mm. he fit into the program? You know, the. This one's this one's interesting because I was actually thinking about thinking about this as the as the game go as the game went on, um, and after he scored that second goal, um, I I thought that look okay he's playing as a he's coming in from the left or the right hand side of a of a four four two that maybe morphs into a three five two, you know mm-hmm. where yeah. what's available right now what's Mancini playing he's playing a four three three. And he's been high on the right hand side of a four three three. So there's there are enough subtle differences in your role between those two um, yeah. that make it hard for me to remain convinced that he can do this for the Italian national team yet. Yeah. Um, you know, if Mancini somehow tweaks and adapts this and decides to go with a two striker system and goes and plays a four four two, then yeah, Chiesa is your man, you know, and, you know, but Mancini has played a lot of 4-3-3 in his time as a manager, and I don't know if he's going to necessarily deviate from that. I just don't. Yeah. And, um, you know, as a result, that means, you know, Chiesa playing in a higher position. I love seeing him run from the midfield and making those runs from the midfield yeah. uh, and, and getting into the box and, and getting in front of strikers who are holding balls up and things like that. Um, I think that he's really he thrives at that where, you know, starting from a higher position, that's a little bit easier for defenders to read. Um, And I think it takes the effect of what he can do away a little bit. That's just, you know, my own my own viewpoint as far as just the differences between the Juventus setup with Chiesa and what the national team setup would be with Chiesa. You know, Mancini would have to adapt to work to make it work for what Chiesa is doing for Juventus right now for him to just yeah. to, for it to be optimal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, good shout. Uh, there's three other teams in Europe. Do we want to hit them now or do we want to hit them later? Um, yeah, sure. Are there in the three other teams in the European? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously the big game next week is going to be Atalanta Real Madrid, right? Yep. Uh, that's an enticing one. Obviously Atalanta just came off a big game against uh, Inter, which we'll get into later. Uh, yep. But it's a it's a big chance for them to really get themselves on the world stage even more. So last year was big, uh, but you beat a team like Real Madrid, you're gonna you're gonna turn some eyes, turn some heads, right? Uh, yep. But this is Real Madrid. The hard what dooms most teams is that mystique, right? All yep. those Champions League trophies, all that history—you know—you even go back to like Di Stefano and keep—you know—there's so much history with this club. 
you if you look at that, you're gonna it's a daunting task. Yep. But if you look at it as just another team, another another twelve guys, eleven guys on the pitch, uh, then you have it's a chance to do something special. We'll see what they can do. Um, they're gonna need to score goals, I think. It's not um, gonna be clean sheets, despite what we saw this weekend. Atalanta's saving grace in this is that all of their wins in the Champions League so far have been away. In the yeah. group stage, they won at Michelin, they won at Ajax, they won at Liverpool, and they won at Anfield. And let's remember, in the time of COVID, you are just only playing, you're going there, you're only playing the 11 men uh, that are on the pitch. Yeah, you're not playing against the 70 to 75,000 fans that are going to be in there chanting and making it difficult for you. Yeah. All right. So in that respect, um, you know, I think that that might, new, that might equalize things here for Atalanta. I, I like their chances. I do too. Um I've been wa- I've been wavering back and forth on this, and I think just in the spirit of 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 Serie A and banging the drum for Serie A, I'll put them through. Yeah, a two a two one win at the at, in Madrid, they go through. Yeah, because uh, uh, they'll have the away goals tiebreaker. So I'll I'll go with that. Yeah, I'll take uh, my shot. I think they have a very good chance of of moving on past Real Madrid, just because this hasn't been a, a lights out Real Madrid that we've seen in the past. Um, and so I think it, they have a very good chance. Ilicic and Zapata and Muriel and and all the you know company that they bring, they need to have good games. Obviously, yep. uh, they the defensively they have to be as good as they have been as of late. Uh, Romero has been playing a lot better lately. Uh, Jamisti, Taloy, they've been better, but they they need to be better. And this is going to be a big challenge for them. But I think it's certainly winnable. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, the Real Madrid, I think will get a couple players back that they didn't have in the first leg. I believe Benzema will be back. Uh, Sergio Ramos may be back. So that could complicate it a little bit. But, sure. Um, let's go for it. Let's get Atalanta back into the last eight. It'll be, yep. it'll be fun. Let's yep. have them be the, uh, and let's have Atalanta Porto in the in the last eight, and let's have a Cinderella team make it to the last four. That would be there. You go. There that you would go. be sweet. I would like so, to see that. That would be uh, that would be something special. Absolutely. So. Well, speaking of something special, uh, another game that's going to be something special for Paulo Fonseca. It's uh, Roma against Shakhtar in Europa League. Uh, return against his old club. Uh, this is a game that's going to be a lot more difficult than many people are probably going to give credit for because Shakhtar away. Is difficult. Fans are no fans, and just having to travel to Ukraine is always difficult. Uh, but they're also a really good team, right? We've seen that in, not only this year, but in years past, they can get the job done. You know, they have they always have their their plethora of Brazilians that are always good that nobody knows about, and then they become you know household names. So this is going to be a difficult one for for Roma. I think I think their midfield needs to have you know do what they do in City A and and dominate things. Spinazzola, Karzrup, some of these guys need to step up as well on the wings, and they need to get goals from either Mayoral or, or Jekyll or whomever. Um, it's not going to be easy against Shakhtar Donetsk. They're a team with with great European experience. Um, yeah. They're off to a little bit of a middling start, uh, you know, to the season. They 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 lost their opener to Zori. I mean, their their season just started. Um, uh, you know, and I think they they lost to uh, Zoria. Uh, to open the season, uh, ten man's ten man's Zoria at that. Um, looking at their lineup from that game, uh, and it's 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 it was a strong one. I mean, Tyson, Marlos, Junior, Marias, they were all out there. Dodo and Ismaili were were out there. Uh, Trubin was in goal for them. Uh, they they controlled the game. Uh, you know, obviously when Zoria had the red card, fifty three percent possession, uh, fifteen chances, ten on target. So Zoria's goalkeeper. Uh, you know, 
played out of his skin. Um, but they followed that up going out of the cup. Uh, and I'm not even going to bother pronouncing the team they lost to. Um, and then uh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Uh, Arabiznez uh, Volochisk. Okay. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, the Donetsk Derby, uh, they win that 1 0. Uh, so, um, so the uh, middling form to start the season, but it's early days. And I think that the one thing that they'll have going for them is that they're fresh. Yep. You know, they've only played like three games where Roma has been, you know, playing quite a bit here lately. Um, but, you know, I, I just named off some guys that they're going to have to get themselves prepared for, that they're going to have to deal with. You know, this feels like a game environment when we talk about Roma. Where are they better? They're better when they can counter. Um, and these these Shakhtar guys like having the ball a little bit. Um, they like to be able to establish some possession, generate some chances off of it. And, you know, I don't know if they're going to be defensively, you know, strong enough. So um, I, I think Roma can – get a win here. Uh, I think the biggest thing is, is, you know, the biggest question that needs to be asked here is can they keep Shakhtar out? You know, I think it'd be more important. I mean, they got, obviously they want to win the game, but it's got to be a big, big priority to make sure that Shakhtar doesn't come out of this with an away goal going back to the Ukraine the following week. That is absolutely key. I think that's kind of what part of, part of what did in uh, Juve uh, this one, um, yeah, they had their own away goal themselves, but you know, obviously, you know, scoring some or giving up some away goals is always going to hurt even more. So, yep. um, you never want to be in a situation again, like we saw tonight, where you go into overtime and then have the, you know, have the away goals come into effect again. Um, yeah, I think this is certainly a winnable tie. It's going to be a difficult tie. Uh, no, no, no doubt about that. Is it as difficult as you know Atalanta Real Madrid? No, but it's 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 still pretty close. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, the fresh legs of Shakhtar certainly going to give. Um, that and the creativity are going to give Roma some headaches, but I think if they can catch him on the counterattack, like you mentioned, uh, and really dominate that possession, don't give him that many opportunities, you have a recipe for for win for win in this. And I think, yeah, uh, I, I can see Roma getting out of this uh, just barely. Yep. Um, I uh, let me just look at something here real quick. Well, while you do that, um, I'm gonna talk about the guys are talking about Halan in the room. So, you know, Juve Dela is saying if we give rid of Ronaldo, maybe go after Halan. And David saying, you know, you got to prepare over 100 million for Halan. I actually don't think you're gonna have to spend that much on Halan because he's he got has a, a cheaper release clause than that. He has a cheaper he? release clause because it's all about money for him. He doesn't really it, he worked this deal into his plans and he has been for the last several years at Salzburg and now Dortmund. The release clause is only like I think 30 million euros or something cheap, 30 to 50 million euros. Now it's 75. Maybe it's more, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I think you're right, actually. But yeah, the deal for him is you have to give him and his and his dad and all his agent money. His dad is his agent. Um, that's where they. That's where he cares about. He cares about the pitch time and how much money you're going to give him. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think a team that offers the best package can guarantee him a starting spot is going to land Halan. But every big team in Europe is going to go after him and, uh, this summer. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who can get him. I mean, whoever offers the best deal is going to yep. get him yep. to Holland. So anyway, back to you. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, I think Roma will beat Shakhtar. I think that it's, but I think unfortunately, because I just can't trust Roma defensively, I think Shakhtar will get an away goal. Um, I'm going to go for Roma to win 2 1. Okay. I like it. I like it. 2 1. Um, oh, yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I, I, I like that scoreline. I think it's it's hard to trust her defense right now. So, yeah, I agree. Yep. Yep. All right, uh, and then obviously the big one uh, on Thursday, Man United, Milan. Um, I mean, just 
European pedigree all over the place when you talk about these two clubs, two of the most decorated clubs in world football at that. And uh, they're playing in the Europa League. <laughs> this is kind of like... Uh, 2020, wait. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of like uh, uh, seeing uh, like North Carolina and UCLA and the NIT. Yeah. Um, it, they're both teams are they're mirroring each other right now pretty much because they kind of had that fell from grace around the same time. Both around 2011 or so, yeah. You know, Man United had some success since then, but they both kind of fell the same way, and they kind of had their banter eras, if you will. And yep. now they're kind of have this resurgence with the young players and and younger, oh, not younger managers. Peel is an old man, but um, yeah, they're they're very similar to each other in that respect. Um, it should be a very interesting chess match, I think. You know, it will the, the tactic between Solskjaer and and uh, Pioli will have to be big in this i think pioli needs to outsmart Solskjaer, and i think you know it's going to be interesting how the teams defend each other's offense because obviously some there's some talent on both ends and uh, who can uh, keep out the other is going to be the, the success the key to success in this one obviously there's no fans in the crowd so that's not going to uh, sway anything so it's going to be a very difficult match um milan has united is playing better lately as opposed to milan so that's we'll mm. see how the forms if that carries on into that match or not but yeah it's it has all the makings of a, of a classic tie in a Europa League. <laughs> yep, it sure does. Um, I'll kind of give some cliff notes on what uh, Santangelo and I talked about on the United Daily Pod. Um, not th- This is a game where you wish Milan would have Benacer because of his role in that double pivot where when Milan get into the def- – in, when they have to defend in their third, you know, he's usually picking up the danger midfielder. And in this case – he would be shadowing Bruno a little bit. Um, you know, I, so now Pioli has to make some kind of an adjustment there. You know, with the lack of options available and with a lot of these injuries, you know, Teo can come back from the bone bruise, which that's one of those nagging kind of things that yep. you don't know. It's like on the day of, you're going to know whether or not they can use them. Yep. Um, and uh, that's where the creativity is going to come from that's where they can potentially unbalance United with his ability to bomb forward and make those runs. If not, they got to depend on Dallow to do it again. Um, and, you know, there's no dribblers to pull United apart defensively. Uh, there's, you know, so Milan could end up looking rather predictable here. Um, Leao is a guy that could probably get you off balance a little bit when he's on his game and when he's invested, but he's going to probably be the striker in this setup. So that takes those things away. So you're wondering where is, where is it going to come from with Milan? And I, I jokingly said on the podcast, they're going to get a penalty. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Two teams are known for penalties, right? It might be yep. in this game. <laughs> yep. I think for Milan, if they're really invested in this and want to win this tie, the first 30 minutes of this game are critical. If they can keep United out in those first 30 minutes, they're going to give themselves a chance. If they can find a way to get an away goal, uh, they're going to give themselves a great chance. Um, They don't have to worry about Marcus Rashford. Sounds like he's not going to play. I think Bruno will start just because they're going to need his creativity in the midfield for Man United. So that's something that Milan are going to have to guard against. If I, I... I, th- I like Milan's chances more if the center back pairing is Tamori and Romagnoli, um, not Kaira and Romagnoli. And I say that because, you know, Romagnoli, I think the issue with him is that he takes some risks, um, that Tamori has the athleticism to be able to support and recover. 
Kyer, for all of his positioning and his expertise and experience, just doesn't have, you know, Tamori's range. And I think you're going to need Tamori's athleticism out there. And you want to play Kyer and Tamori out there together. I think that would be fine too. Um, but I think, I think that Tamori has to be the anchor piece to this defense in the short term because I think you're right. He complements both players so well. Yeah. He can make up for the for the deficiencies. Um, and so when he's not out there, yeah, you know, Romagnoli and Kiar together were fantastic. But obviously they're not. They haven't been working as of late. Uh, and Tamori has looked good with Romagnoli lately, and, and obviously yep. with Kiar as well. So yeah, I think Tamori has to be that the fulcrum right now between both of them. You know, shifting between the league and and Europa League. So yep. Um, we said that you know, Matt and I thought Matt and I thought Man United will win two one uh, on Thursday, and 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 if Milan got that away goal. They're not going to be bothered by that result at all, and they're going to be in a position that one nil is going to be good enough at the San Siro for them, and that they could that they could go through to the last eight, you know. And the lineups are going to tell the story for both of these teams to see how invested they're going to be in this thing. So that's the other thing that you have to consider: the last sixteen, you're at those crossroads. I mean, what are your priorities? Are your is your priorities top four? Because United also have some very big games coming up in terms yeah. of their efforts to try to seal up a place for the Champions League next season too. Milan have to play, have to turn around and play Napoli after this. Both so, clubs, again, are similar, right? Because both of them have the league pretty much out of hand. They can't get it. I mean, obviously Man City's way ahead of everybody, but yep. Inter are you know, a sizable lead over Milan at the moment. And, you know, if at the at their current form, you would expect it would be difficult to catch up to them. So, you know, both teams just want to make sure they secure up Champions League for next year. Uh, yep. So where the, both these clubs maybe face off next year, but no, who knows? Yep. So, I think United win the first leg two one, and I don't. Th- and I and I as a Milan fan will not be bothered by that. I'll take that, and I'll I'll take that going into the second leg. I'll go score draw, score draw. That's a possible outcome too. I get, I could see one one. Yeah, very very easily here. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's get on to what actually happened in the league in Serie A, and uh, you know, probably Richard, no better place to start at than the top, right? Yeah, some games of the week, right? And it was a big matchup, a lot of big matchups this weekend. But the game that, uh, you know, that really was the headliner, I think, was Inter hosting Atalanta. Uh, many wondered, you know, this is the game where could Inter assert themselves as the the quote-unquote favorite for the Scudetto, right? Or would Atalanta, with their attack, find a way to beat Inter and then throw themselves into the ring for the Scudetto? This is the match we all want to see, right? The offense versus Conte's tactics. Uh, this game was a very interesting game. It was a very low-scoring game. Uh, the long goal would come in fifty-fourth minute through Milan Skriniar, but first half, uh, Inter looked very shaky. Uh, uh, Atalanta doing very well to get some uh, some their opportunities uh, in the first half, and then toward the second half, uh, you know, Inter started imposing their will a little bit more. Uh, they got that nice goal, scrappy goal through Milan Skriniar. You know, if he didn't score, it would have been a penalty on Vastoni. Uh, he was taken down in the box. Uh, so yeah, they, I mean, that, they scored that goal, and after that, it was just Inter's territory. They let Atalanta have the ball, countered when they wanted. They had some good opportunities on the counter. Atalanta created a lot of opportunities. Andanovic had a fantastic save. It's something about him in these big games as of late. He's been yeah. amazing, right? A huge save. Uh, and I forget, who, I think it was on Taloy or for Africa who uh, Duvan Zapata, excuse me. Right. Uh, and then right out shortly after that, Brozovic on the goal line save against um, uh, I think it was Taloy anyway. Uh, Really good stuff by the defense of Inter. Um, they look rejuvenated. It seems like the two biggest outcasts for their team, and I'm talking about Ericsson and Skriniar, have all of a sudden emerged in the last couple of weeks. 
uh, gaining the confidence of Conte, and they've come back and paid him in full, right, with the big derby goal for Ericsson, and then obviously Skriniar here in this game against Atalanta. Uh, Inter, you know, they did what they had to do. They played Inter-style ball, Conte ball, as, as the Interisti are saying, and uh, they take full control of the Scudetto at the moment, and uh, very well done. I mean, two good lineups in this one, and, you know, you're curious to see what kind of lineups these teams would have. Um Mr. Gasparini, he just has these – you never know what he's going to do with his lineups. We've talked about it numerous times. It's hard to predict who's going to put out there because, you know, logic says you're going to put Zapata and Muriel out there. Gasparini says, nah, I don't like that. I'm going to do something different. I'll put Petit mm-hmm. out there. So you never know with that. But it doesn't matter with them. They can they can always bring it. Um, Inter, again, strong defense against a, a formidable attack. Not many teams can claim they shut out Atalanta. So well done to Inter. I mean, where do you want to start with this game? This game was just – uh, it was a big time, you know, heavyweight bout. I mean, everything we saw was going to be just one goal. Yeah, um, I I thought there would be goals in this game. I went I on I went Alex's radio show on Friday, and I said over three and a half was in the plus one sixty range, um, which got Alex. Alex, I hope you didn't lose a lot of money on that one. <laughs> so, um, I I only make suggestions. It's not recommendations. Um, and I'm not responsible. You're the one pushing the button. That's that's right. my disclaimer. Same thing if we ever cover DraftKings Serie A slates here. So at the end of the day, you're the one pushing the button. That's right. It's your money. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that uh, Antonio Conte set his team up a specific way um, to deal with what Atalanta were going to do going forward. It's, it was evident when he started Arturo Vidal and not Christian Eriksen. He went and, for the he went for the guy who will bite. He didn't and then looked the- and it looked early on in that first half that maybe that was the wrong move, right? Because Vidal was looking like he was getting caught out in different places, but yep. all of a sudden you see he, he grew into the game as you expect. He is a big game player. Um, full credit to Conte, you know, on short rest to get this team ready, knowing the tactics of Atalanta and really you know doing well to mitigate all their threats. So. Yeah, great job by Inter. I mean, uh, they're they're in first place, deservedly so. And uh, and at this point, with the lo- the lead that they have, you know, many Interisti who've been scared to call a Scudetto theirs uh, are starting to say, "Yeah, I think we, this is our year." You know, and it's for good reason. They're, the team is playing very, very well at the moment. So um, hard to fault them for to to, to sticking their chest out a little bit more and, and and being confident with this team going down the stretch. But I also want to call out. Credit to Atalanta's back three. I thought they did a phenomenal job on on Lukaku and timely save. Romero was fantastic in this game. I, I thought this was Romero's best game in an Atalanta shirt. Absolutely, uh, by far. I thought James City was really good. Toloi was good. Yep. Um, you we know, so I mean, that. it came down to a set piece. It came down a failure to a failure to act on a second ball for Atalanta. All right, and that was Inter's only shot on target in the game. Um, you know, so uh, that's uh, that's what happened, and uh, you know, and then when that happened, you saw, you knew exactly what Conte, would, you know, Conte at that point because it was in sixty-six minutes. He said, "All right, I got the goal. You got to come and get us now." So that's right. Uh, well, I he mean, his wheelhouse right there. I mean, it was like extremely uh, similar to Conte's twenty sixteen Italy. Yeah, yeah. You know. Only this Inter team is far more talented than the 2016 Italy. Yeah. Conte went with the 2016. We're no good. Our yeah. best, our best shot at winning is shit housing people, and that's what we're going to do. We're going <laughs> to, and they did that against Belgium and against yeah. Spain. Um, yeah. You know, so um, 
So here, he, you know, he did the same thing. Atalanta were pushing hard. Yeah, they were pushing hard at the end, but uh, a lot of what Atalanta were doing, Inter were prepared for, and they were well positioned to deal with. Um, I think this was a a brilliant setup and organization by Antonio Conte. What'd you make of the not starting of we 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 we're used to not seeing Muriel start, right? That's obvious. But Ilicic not starting in this one. It's Malinovsky that started over or over Ilicic. What was your thoughts on that? Was there I don't know if there was a reason for it. Maybe just Gasparini tweaking things and having hoping to have a fresher Ilicic down the stretch. I don't know, but uh, I I would have liked to see your best player out there on the pitch. Uh, to begin with and see what he can do, especially because if you're going to get a team, it's going to be early in the match uh, and before they really grow into the match and get into it. And Inter were susceptible in the first half, so if they had Ilicic, it could have made could have made a difference. It's weird, really. Um, it's probably the only way I can describe it. You can't play in this setup, in this 3-4-2-1 setup. You can't play Ilicic. It's hard to play Ilicic and Malinovsky together, okay? Yeah. Um you know, so you play one or the other. You give Melanovsky this. I mean, Melanovsky was coming back to fitness. I think he was flashing some form too. Scored that great goal. Yeah. When was it? Uh, not midweek, but the. And I think it was. And it was a rotational thing. Ilicic played against Crotone, played nearly ninety minutes. So I think that there was something, you know, to be said about that happening too. Um, he's a huge believer in Matteo Piscina. Which that's not. There's no shame in that. He's a decent player, um, and and I think Pasina is carving out his role and in, in, in improving. I don't think he's improving at the rate that probably Atalanta fans would demand. I think that you know they're they're looking who's who's the Papu Gomez now, um, you know now that he's gone. But you know Pasina, for what he offers and for what his skill set, it has actually been useful for Atalanta. So. It's not a bad combination. I get, you know, I think when you look at it though, and you look at what he's accomplished, Ilicic would have made a lot more sense to start the game and try to do some damage. But I think, you know, he went for let me go with Malinovsky, let me see what I can get out of this. And then a 0 0 or 1 0 down environment, he can bring on Ilicic against a inter team that had been defending for long periods of time and bring something a little different. Yep. You know, I mean, I think all the way about the, the the 1995 Champions League final when Milan lost to Ajax and, you know, Milan went for it like crazy in the first half, could have gotten a goal out of it, exerted a ton of energy, didn't score. And then Capello, as the game wore on, Capello just dropped him further and further back. And that's when Van Gaal made the move and brought on guys like Kanu, uh, brought in guys I brought in. I don't Cliver didn't start the game. He came off the bench yep. um, and, and end up scoring the winning goal. Uh, you know, so and I think that Gasparini maybe took the same approach. I said, I've got some very lethal quality players that this game is still going to be close with 25 minutes left. Let me bring them on to play 25 minutes as hard as they can against a team that's already invested 65 minutes, Right. you know, Sometimes that works to a T, like in '95 with Van Gaal and with Ajax, and sometimes it 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 doesn't get there for you. And in this case, it didn't get there. Yep. Yeah. You're right. All right. So, all right. So that was Inter at the top of the table, knocking off Atalanta, and uh, the loss for Atalanta means that they're in fifth now, uh, a point behind Roma. So there's not yep. any reason to panic at this point. Um, but, uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, out of the champions league places for now, uh, with 12 games remaining, uh, Hellas Verona hosting Milan. That was, uh, the big game on Sunday. 
Um, the storylines were Milan coming off a disappointing draw against Atalanta. And, you know, let me get on my soapbox about that because when I kind of gave it a little bit more perspective and a little bit more thought and kind of took a look at what, uh, what Udinese, Udinese has been doing over the last several weeks, that draw didn't look so bad. Um, you know, something else looked bad in that game though, but yeah, yeah, they, they drew out a lot <laughs> prior to this, they drew out Atalanta, they drew inter, uh, they beat Napoli and, uh, you know, we'll talk about them, uh, beating Sassuolo here at the weekend too. Uh, you know, so they, they, their run has actually been quite impressive. They had just an awful display against Napoli, um, that, uh, that cost them. So, uh, but otherwise, you know, it was, you know, when you look at, kind of Udinese's form and what they've been up against and the results they've been getting that one, one wasn't really that much to be ashamed of. Sure. You know, when you look at it in the big picture, but with all of the injuries uh, and with what Hellas Verona had been up to lately, um, there was some genuine concern from Milan fans about this team putting out a, a banter era, similar lineup <laughs> really uh, was the way I described it with, yeah, Donnarumma, Calabria, Tomori, Romagnoli, Dallo. Uh, that was and harsh. then it was uh, Kessie Maite, double pivot. Castellejo, Krunic, Salamakers, and Rafael Leal up front with Verona coming out with Lasagna, with Berak and Zakani behind him. Lazovic again starting for Di Marco, uh, uh, Faraoni. So some, some very talented players. Miguel Veloso in the midfield. Yeah. So, but uh, it would be a. Right, a Krunic goal, which is my goal of the week uh, in the 27 minute, just upper 90. Uh, Krunic de Bruyne uh, yeah. with the with the brilliant finish, right? Right. Uh, putting Milan up in the you know with a with a one nil lead, and it was actually a very good performance for Milan in the first half. Uh, second half, it was kind of funny. I said I made I was sitting there thinking at halftime. I said, you know what, this game screams for Teo because. Watching Dallow in the first half, there just seemed to be a tentativeness with him going forward. Like he only like it. It was like the the front third of the of the pitch for Milan was like this abyss for him. That if he <laughs> like he was just going to fall, didn't want to overcommit and then get caught out. Right. So what happens? One of the first attacks, he decides to bomb forward, and it was a nice little bit of team play that ends up arriving to him. Scores a great goal first time. After doing a little bit of a body faint to get away from the defender, made it two nil to the Rossoneri and uh, winning a it just a I mean this was a team performance from Milan when they needed it, um, you know to continue to solidify their position here uh, in second. Um, you know thoughts on this performance from the Rossoneri. Yeah, I think you you hit it right. It, it was a team performance in this one. We saw two goals from I mean. Who in who on this earth, even including Krunic and Dalo, would 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 you know say that hey both those guys are going to score those guys who never score? Uh, maybe Krunic has been playing better as the last two, in the last few games, and I think that long shot he had on target last week uh, really had boosted his confidence. Um, but you know both those you know Krunic was with a, played pretty well in this game. The whole team you know had a good game overall as, as a as a unit. I thought Romagnoli played better with Tomori out there. Obviously those two together work very well. Tamori is just a fantastic player and that we've that we're seeing and hopefully you know for Milan's sake that they can acquire him permanently um but yeah you know you, you saw you know um Calabria there doing his thing and you know um Miete was decent uh Liao had some opportunities um so yeah it was a good good team effort I thought and uh yeah um 
well done for them. And then it was a big win. Uh, once they got up two nothing, uh, you saw Yurich uh, pretty much taking out all his horses. Right, Zakanya came out, Barak came out. And it was pretty much uh, just swapping guys in and out at that point. Pretty much conceded that they lost that game, and uh, that's full credit to Milan because they they found ways to get those two goals, two big goals, uh, two very well taken goals. And uh, yeah, it just it's uh, uh, for the the. R- the run that they've been on, it's been very, very difficult for them. This is a big win for them because uh, it kind of relaxes them a little bit, right? And now they're, like I said, firmly in second place with four points up on, on Juventus at the moment. Um, and they needed it too because, uh, you know, had they got a, a draw or even a loss in this one, uh, it could have made that locker room a lot more difficult. And, um, you know, I think Hellas ultimately are going to be kicking themselves and didn't have a better result, but they're in the grand scheme of things, they're still in a good spot. They're not, they're not, you know, they want to be in the Europa League spot, obviously, but um, there are worse results they could have had, I guess, you know, the team didn't play too, too bad, I guess. It, you know, obviously they want goals, they want to win, but it is what it is. Really puts Hellas Verona in trouble at this point in terms of any prospects of finishing top seven. Um, yeah. Unless they want to run somehow in these last 12 games or something, which is possible. Yeah. I mean, five points out of seventh again, you know, behind Lazio, they still have a, you know, Lazio have a game in hand on them, um, which it looks like top seven goes now because uh, with Juve and Atalanta in the Coppa Italia final, that's already a a European place solidified in some shape, form, or fashion. So, um, you know, so seventh is going to get in now. So you're you're taking a look at that as a as a European place and. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for Verona, this is an opportunity missed for them. And I think that, you know, as, as great a job as Ivan Jodic has done, you know, and with what Verona has and some of the quality that they have, I think that – and we had this issue last year. I think there was – like during the break, it was against Napoli. They had, it was a home game against Napoli where they win that and they're in a really good position to maybe finish out into one of these European places. They lose at home 2-0. You know, the same result here. Um, there is a really hard ceiling with Hellas Verona, uh, which is what we're learning about them here over the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and they brought in Kevin Lasagna and to hopefully kind of raise that bar a little bit. Uh, he's been he's been struggling to acclimate with the team, and, and it'll happen when you go to a new team, especially when you've been with a one club for so long. Yeah. Um. So, but I think you know for this season, I think they're they're really capped, and if they can find a way to you know keep Lasagna and and have some sex success with with the, with the guys that they have, and they can keep the other pieces, they can maybe raise that ceiling. But that's that's a big question mark. Last year we saw them lose a lot of guys, a lot of talented guys. You would expect the same thing to happen this off season with you know guys like Zakani and 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 Di Marco and some of these other guys. So um, yeah, it's their ceiling is not very high. It it depends on very strong defense. That Yurich has uh, been breeding down their necks for the last few years. Um, that's going to be the bread and butter, right? Defense and and get your goals. Be opportunistic. Uh, yep. Hopefully, Lasagna brings more goals. Yep. Yep. We'll see. We'll see what their uh, their fortunes uh, look like here going forward. Let's just take a look at Venona's next few games here uh, at Sassuolo, which is a huge game for both teams right now in terms of sizing up any potential European prospects. Either of them have, I mean, it's going to be, I, this is last chance saloon for both of them. Loser is definitely, uh, out of contention for those places. Then they host Atalanta. Then they're at Cagliari. Um, you know, then they host Lazio, which could end up being a massive game for them in terms of their prospects. Cause if they can beat Sassuolo, you know, they can get six points out of Sassuolo, Atalanta, Cagliari. So they beat Sassuolo, they beat Cagliari. Um, they're in a decent position uh, going in against Lazio. 
So, um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with them, but it looks like they've, they've hit that hard ceiling yet again, but uh, 12 games left. You never know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and since you mentioned Lazio, Lazio was in in our other game of the week. It was Juventus hosting Lazio a lot right on the line in this one. You uh, excuse me. Lazio have been the Juventus killers as of in the last few years. Um, Lazio obviously needing a win uh, to help them propel them maybe back into talks of joining the, the Champions League talk. Um, but they would need a win in this one, you know, and, and Juve obviously trying to keep pace with the two Milanese clubs, Milanese club, excuse me. Uh, and so the scoring started uh, very early. Uh, the lineups were were fairly straightforward in this one. Uh, Demarell getting another start in this one. Um, he, though, gets uh, abused on the first goal. Joaquin Correa just, uh, you know, step over after step over and get a lovely goal past Chesney. Um, Lazio take the lead, early lead. Uh, they had some opportunities through through SMS and some free kicks and some other opportunities as well. That they get, they end up ruining because uh, you know not being able to capitalize on a team like Juventus will come back to bite you. Yeah. Uh, before they got to halftime, Adrian Rabiot got a goal, uh, pulled it back to make a one-one. Uh, just on the other side of the break, Alvaro Morata would get a goal in the 57th minute. Three minutes later, a penalty, uh, a legit penalty. I don't know what the hell the defender was thinking to taking out, uh, taking out his man, and uh, Morata steps up, scores a penalty. 3-1 Juventus win, uh, an emphatic win against Lazio. Yeah, Lazio La- ruined the, the opportunities they missed in that first half. Uh, SMS played very well, but he missed some great chances. Some other guys missed as well. And, um, yeah, just uh, a difficult game for them. Immobile not scoring a goal on this one where you thought, you know, he's been struggling as of late, and unfortunately nobody else is really stepping up at the moment like they need him to. Uh, yeah, you know, Milinkovic Savic is and Alberto, but you need, you know, Joaquin Correa, who did score on this one. Um, you know, Fares didn't get do much. It, it just wasn't enough. And you obviously, you know, Chiesa playing the way he's been playing lately, it's not going to make it easy for you. And, uh, yeah, Juve get a, get a big win, which, you know, before today, it looked like a, a very uh, – very good news for Pirlo and his and his and his team, but um, you know, sticking to this game, what were your thoughts on this game overall? Well, um, Juventus played with a lot more freedom. Yeah, yeah. When they when they went forward with the ball, and I think it's because there's a certain player that wasn't in there that they're not having to force things through, you know, or they're not trying to you know seek him out for the goals. Yeah, and I don't want to get too crazy on on that topic, but you know, because there haven't been many games where Ronaldo didn't play, so this could have been just a one-off where where everybody figured it out, and next game they might miss him if they don't use him. So it's you know, it's one of those things. Um, getting Juan Cuadrado back is very was very important, obviously, as it set the tone for the performance that he had in this game, uh, in, in this Champions League game. Um, it was. Uh, you know, again, more Federico Chiesa brilliance. Um, Alvaro Morata finishing, uh, which which got it done. I mean, in Lazio scoring in Lazio fashion, uh, Juve screwed up and, and Lazio pounced. Um, and that seems to be how they get their goals, isn't it? Uh, so yeah. um, I uh, I thought that if Lazio – I felt like Lazio was going to score in this game, and I said that's exactly how they're going to score. They're going to they're gonna pounce on something, and they're going to create something out of it. Correa did that. It was well taken. You know, but as Rabio got that goal before halftime, and then a clinical counterattack then where, where Chiesa played in, Morata, uh, you know, really setting the tone for the second half. Um, 
And then it was all of a sudden Lazio's turn to have the ball and Juve's turn to defend it. It just flipped Um, because Lazio was doing the defending and sitting back when they had the lead, right? You know, and then, you know, Rabio scores 1-1. Game gets balanced. Juve gets a quick second. Lazio sees more of the ball. Can't carve anything excellent out of it. Um, and then Juve gets the penalty to kill it off. Uh, so, um, I, I, good overall team performance by Juve to win this game. Yeah. Um, two goal of the week candidates between uh, Rabio and, and Morata as well. Very well taken. Um, you know, er, earlier when we were talking about Juventus in Europe, we talked about, you know, maybe getting rid of Ronaldo, you know, $100 million man. Um, how about Dabala as well? I mean, he. They're not using him like you know you think they would need, and then don't just get rid of him. Get that money also for him and use it towards you know some more players, some more depth. You know that's two players that you could really offload and really help bring in you know more talent to the team than what they have. You know two guys in exchange for possibly five guys. Who knows? Um, that might be the way to go. I don't hate the idea. I really don't. I mean because I mean they're playing better. Even before this debacle today, they had some good performances going in. Um, and Pirlo looked like he was figuring out figuring out in a couple of occasions. The Spezia win is is a great example where he made his adjustments and and then they eventually took control of the game. Um, so yeah, I you know I mean and they were tightening the title race too. I mean people were forgetting before tonight it was it was be- before you know Inter won against Atalanta. Uh, it was becoming a, a really close race because all of a sudden it was not just the two Milan clubs; it was also Juventus are thrust back into the spotlight. Um, obviously now with the win for Inter, that's different. But you know they had been playing well. You're right. Yep, yep, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, in Lazio, when their best players aren't getting it. I mean, we talked about this two seasons ago when Milinkovic Savic and Luis Alberto were underperforming. It resonated with the rest of the team, and they finished eighth. You know, now you got Immobile struggling for goals. Um, Milinkovic Savage is playing great. Um, you're getting in different form out of Luis Alberto now. I thought he was all right in this game. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was a you know a disappointing performance from their back three. They've got some injuries too along their back three as well. They're deputizing guys who are normally wing backs. I mean, in this game it was Marusic. Uh, it looks like he was playing among a back three with Hood and a Serbi. Yeah. So, and he's that's one not a, that's not ideal. Yep. Yeah. And that's so, not ideal. No. No. Far from it. Far from it. There. And uh, you know, having, I know, I, I know a lot of Laziale are hating on Marici at the moment because he's not getting the goals. You know, Casado's not getting as many minutes, so he's not getting the goals, and it's it's difficult at the moment. You know, you're, you're struggling in the front, you're struggling in the back, um, and there's always so much. You know, you're the rest that you can do. The midfielders can only do so much, right? Sergei Milinkovic is not going to carry a team uh, to many many wins, so. Yeah, you need some help from support staff, and unfortunately, when your when your big horses, Immobile in this case, is not uh, you know performing at optimal levels, it just makes it much more difficult when no one else steps up. Yep, yep. So, so those are the big three uh, that went on this week in Serie A. Let me get to the rest of them here. It started on Saturday with Spezia and Benevento playing to a one-one draw. Benevento opening the scoring. Aldafo Gajic from Nicolas Viola. Nicolas Viola, watch. Remember that name, okay? Because he has uh, he's been solid for them, uh, you know, since joining. Uh, but Gajic getting the goal to make it one nil. 
Uh, Daniele Verdi, uh, you know, after some scrambling around in the penalty area, opportunistic goal for him in the 71st. Uh, 1-1 draw there. Spezia had 73% possession in this game, Richard. Um, Benevento with only two shots on goal, one of them going in, the goal from Gaic, which was a nice little yeah. individual effort. Uh, Udinese and Sassuolo. Udinese get it done. They win two goals to nil. This this makes Milan Milan drawing them not looking not look so bad as I mentioned. Fernando Lorente uh, from Nahuel Molina in the 42nd minute. Uh, the game would get put away after some really nice work from Rodrigo Di Paul. Some actually nice team yeah. uh, play here, uh, and uh, the beneficiary being Roberto Pereira. Uh, getting a 2-0 win there. Sassuolo had 72% possession in this game. Uh, could only get two shots on target. Udinese clearly playing on the counter yep. and uh, looking deadly in the process. Uh, so a uh, big win for Udinese there. Roma against Genoa, 1-0 to Roma. Uh, Gianluca Mancini jumping over who I think one of the guys who I think is one of the worst defenders in Serie A, Andrea Masiello. Uh, easy goal for him there. Uh, Roma outshot Genoa 17 to six. Got to expect that against the Davide Balladini Genoa. Yep. Um, one of the, uh, the, the fun bad game of the week, Crotone four, Torino two, uh, opening up with Simi with a penalty in the 27th minute. Rolando Mandragora from Ansaldi, uh, just before halftime in the 45th minute. Uh, Simi would get a brace in the 54th minute. Uh, some really nice goals getting scored in this, starting with Arcadius Recha. Nice finish from him in the 80th minute. Yeah. Uh, and then Antonio Sanabria uh, maybe bettering that in the 84th minute and giving Torino a chance to get back in this game, down 3-2. And then it was Adam Unas with another great goal. 4-2 uh, to Crotone in this game. 36 shots between the two teams in this game. Uh, so, so, I don't know if you saw the buildup to the Unas goal, right? So, uh, it was at, at the end of the game, uh, and Unas is really trying to run up the clock and playing the ball in the corner, and he gets taken out, and the f- tempers flare. They're going at each other. Uh, red card ended, ended up giving given to Rincon, or I forget who did, who did give it to it. I forget, I think it was Rincon, yeah. Um, and then in the ensuing kickoff or ensuing, you know, uh, kick. Uh, Unas ended up just taking up the whole team pretty much one on one and just goes through and just scores a worldly goal, you know, going through everyone on the touchline basically. Uh, well mm-hmm. done. It's like, you know, screw you guys. This is this is my turf right here. Uh, yep. well done on that goal. Just a fun game to watch. Yeah, fun game to watch. If you had a chance to watch it, you were definitely in for a treat. Another fun game to watch is Fiorentina and Parma. 3 3 here, 28th minute. Uh, Lucas Martinez Cuarta heading home a corner from Eric Pulgar. And then in the 32nd minute, Yuri Kuchka on the spot with another penalty from him. You know that Yuri Kuchka has like 20 career Serie A goals and 25 of them are penalties. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. He, he's Doesn't, he, that's all he does. He's like he's like the Frank Kessie. He's like a poor man's yeah. Frank Kessie. He yeah. just yeah runs around, runs around, and then uh, when penalties come up, he takes them. So yeah. smart. Uh, Nikola Milenkovic in the 42nd minute, uh, putting Fiorentina ahead two two. Uh, there wouldn't be any more goals until the 72nd minute. Yasmin Kurtic uh, leveling for the visitors. Uh, and then uh, Parma think they have this game won in the 90th minute. Your boy, Roberto Inglese, uh, playing the ball across to Valentin Mihaila, 
making it 3-2, but this is Parma. Uh, this is the king of dropping points this season. And, of course, poor Simone Iacoponi, an own goal in the uh, 94th minute. Uh, Parma just – it literally, literally, Parma can't get out of their own way. This is, what, 16 <laughs> games in a row that they haven't won? They haven't got a win in 16 games? Or they're turning to Schalke. Yeah, they it's really are. pretty bad for them. My goodness. Uh, they might beat Schalke. You got to be careful. <laughs> I don't mean to throw shade on your boys that are over there in Germany. I can make that reference. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you say that from now on. I shouldn't take that away from you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Dorian Calori, two-two here, João Pedro in the eleventh minute. Uh, that put Calgary ahead 1-0. Bartosz uh, Berezinski with a great goal. And I had this among this on my short list because of the ball from Gaston Ramirez um, to, to play him in uh, to make it 1-1 there. Uh, and then a great goal from Manolo, Manolo Gabbiadini yep. uh, just two minutes later in the 80th minute to make it 2-1. But the goal of the week candidate that comes out of this game was in the 96th minute. Rajan Angalan from 35 yards out, belting one. His first, his first goal of the season. Shocking. Um, well, I mean, he That's rolled the pine, he, he rolled the pine for Inter for the first half of the season, so it's kind of not surprising. Um, but uh, two two draw there. Uh, statistics of note from that game: uh, you know, 21 total shots in this game between the two teams. So uh, Napoli three, Bologna one. Um, believe it or not, Napoli had more of the ball in this game. Um, Napoli uh, hitting on the counter. Lorenzo Insigne played in from a great little uh, flick on from Piotr Zielinski uh, in the eighth minute. Um, tough news here, though, for Napoli and tough news for Fauzi Gulam. And I don't know how much more of a career he has left after his latest injury. Third, right? This is third ACL? Yeah. Yeah, I, it could be it could be uh, over for him, and it's a real shame. Um, you know, for a left back, a real technician uh, on the ball, especially with his crossing ability. So, uh, but nonetheless, um, it was Napoli on the counter all day, every day. Sixty fifth minute evidence of that. Zielinski, that man again, setting up this time. Victor Osimhen scoring a man's goal. Yeah, uh, you know, it, to it. Uh, to put Napoli up two nil. Uh, Napoli does give Bologna a lifeline, kind of fumbles around with some possession. Uh, Scovolson finding Roberto Soriano to make it 2-1. Uh, but just three minutes later, Lorenzo Insigne restores the two-goal lead for the Partenope. A brace for him. Um, again, Bologna with uh, 57% possession, 30 total shots in this game, Richard. So those were the magnificent seven uh, that uh, were not part of the three big games of match week 26. Where do you want to start? Yeah, um, with Napoli at least, we'll start with the last game. Uh, good to see Osman back on the score sheet. Gr- brilliant goal, goal of the week candidate there. Um, you know, I expected a lot more from Mihalovic's men, um, but it's always going to be difficult against a team like Napoli who, who just boss possession all the time and um, have some good quality when they don't have possession, right? They can find ways on the counterattack as they did in this game. So, you know, uh, it's good to see him back in the score sheet. Hopefully Napoli can get back into the rhythm that they had when he was, when they first started the season with him, because they, they played some fantastic football to start. Um, so yeah, that it was, that's a pretty, pretty entertaining game there. Um, the Sampdoria Cagliari game was very entertaining. Some good goals in that game, and like that you mentioned. I mean, I think all four goals were fantastic goals in that game. Honestly, Berezinski going again, his first goal was freaking thumper. Gabbiadini from distance, 
John mm. Pedro as well with a beautiful play. So yeah, I mean that that was just a fun game to watch. And um, you know, ultimately I think uh, that the game against Crotone and, and Torino that was another fun game too. It was two teams who you would not expect it. it. Really, you know, Torino are my losers of the week because it's Crotone. You gave it four goals to Crotone. You should mm. not do that. I mean. That the Una's goal was something special, but I mean the rest of those goals. I mean you, you got to do better than that. I mean come on Torino, they're 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 hurting right here right now, and uh, not a good way to uh, end the weekend there for them. So yeah, nope. I don't know. nope, definitely not. Um, the takeaways for me, uh, Sassuolo now in real trouble. I think that uh, yeah, they probably peaked uh, a little too soon. Um, you know, and then, I mean, I think that they fell victim to just the run that Udinese are on. Uh, you know, if I pull up Udinese's last, uh, you know, few games here, as I continue to advocate for, for justifying why that draw is not terrible, um, their recent form Udinese, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't Napoli they gacked against. I should, they, they, at Roma, they lost three nil. Uh, but look at this list for Udinese. They beat Sassuolo two nil, drew Milan. Yeah, beat Fiorentina 1-0. Okay, Fiorentina stinks. Uh, they rallied from 2-0 down against Parma uh, to draw 2-2. Uh, beat Hellas Verona. Uh, beat Spezia. Drew Inter. Drew Atalanta. I mean, these are solid teams. Um, you know, where there's just one loss there over the space of nine games. Uh, you know, so it's an Udinese side that's accumulating points, you know, and making themselves a threat for top half. I, you know they're not gonna they're not gonna push for Europe. It's a little bit out of their reach, um, but the way they're running and the way they've got this team going right now, a top half finish for Udinese is not out of the question. Yeah, and uh, Stricker Larson looked like a man possessed in this game. Maybe just trying to make up for his oopsies against yeah. Milan, right? Uh, but yeah, no, Udinese are playing a lot better now, and uh, that's it's good because they're their team we want to see in Syria, and they they have they have pieces there. there are they, you know, you, you know. Europa League type level players, maybe not, but they're good enough. And Rodrigo De Paul, you know, he's been there forever, and he's been he is a fantastic player. So, um, no, they've been playing really, really well lately. I thought they would struggle with the loss of Kevin Lasagna, uh, but no, they just pick up the pieces. They're actually been playing a lot better since he's been gone. So, um, yeah, no, good for them. About time. Yep. yep. <laughs> Bologna have. Uh, what do you make? And they're just strange, you know. They can beat lots, you know. I mean, and, and Napoli, you know, yeah, Napoli have a lot of quality, but I mean, this is a decent Bologna team. There, there's good players here. Um, you know, they had that tough loss at Cagliari, where I think they, you know, Cronio had a big game against them. Um, and then you look at this Napoli game. I mean, is it they host Sampdoria next, then they go to Crotone before hosting Inter? I mean. They're sitting on 28 points right now. Um, so they're fine, all right, especially because Torino can't figure out how to win. Uh, Parma can't figure out how to hang on to points. You know, so on the surface, 28 points is okay, but they're another team that I just feel like are still, and we talked about this at the beginning of the season, still underachieving just a little too much. They are. I mean, they're a team that we, you could argue that they should be, with the talent that they have, could be a challenge for a Europa League spot with the talent they have, you know, yeah. uh, with that manager that they have. But for some reason, they are just so perplexing. I mean, you, you, you said it right, and it's hard to figure them out, really. 
And um, and I kind of want to segue to this question that we got um, about. So this is person on Twitter says, Mr. SU football, Syracuse football. And he's trying to pick a he's trying to pick a team that he wants to support. Right. First, he says, you know, Benevento or Spezia or Bologna. And normally you, I want to say Bologna because, you know, look at the players that they have, the manager, it's, they're a fun team to watch, but they're inconsistent, right? They're frustrating. I'm like, I, I, I can't figure it out. I can't wrap my head around uh, Bologna. Like one week you think they're going to get beat and they beat, you know, Lazio. I didn't expect that. And then, you know, you know, weeks like this where you think they should be, you know, make it difficult for the opponent and then they don't. And it's hard to pe- peg it with them. Obviously they have some good players like Musa Baro. You know, we know that he, he should start, but it just, it's just – Mind blown within that. So I don't know if between those three teams, I don't even know if you would pick, you know, Bologna in this case. I mean, my case probably be with, you know, you'd probably go with Benevento maybe because they got obviously Inzaghi, it's near and dear to both of us. Uh, they play more attractive football. Um, Bologna can, but they're just so inconsistent. It's just going to be a heartache week in and week out because you never know what you're going to get, right? I don't know. I would, I would say Spezia. I, I, you know, they're the just. The jerseys are beautiful, by the way. Spezia. Yeah, they are. Um, I would say Spezia. The only concern that I have is you're hearing, you're seeing a lot of the English-speaking culture heads talking about Italiano is the manager. Italiano, yeah, is not the language destined for a bigger gig. You know, with the job that he's been doing, with the football that he plays, it's it's attractive. I mean, and he's he's turned out some pretty good players. I I love Jossi. I think he's a very good player. Yeah, Estevez in the midfield is good. Uh, and Zola, we've talked about. Um, you know, he's got some players in that team. He's got some some promising talent, and he's molded it, and he's gotten them to play a specific way. Now, you know, they're not totally out of the weeds as far as survival yet. They're still, uh, they still have a fight on their hands. Yeah. Um, you know, but they're in a decent position at the moment. So, um, yeah, I, I would. If, you know, if you told me that all those guys Bologna would stay ahead of them, Bologna yeah. put two points ahead of them. So yeah, if you told me that all those guys would stay and Italiano would stay as manager, I would say Spezia. Yeah, no, that's a good shot. And, uh, and if you're in the if you're in the chat right now, uh, let us know who would you pick if you had to start over and pick a team to support. Would it be Benevento, Spezia, or Bologna? I mean, all three. I'm teams actually are... going to put this to a poll here. Actually, maybe you might want to throw that up there on our Serie A sit down Twitter. Okay, we'll do. Uh, you're new into Serie A. Pick from. You're new, you're, you're new to City A, you need to support a team, but you can only pick from one of these three teams. Yeah, no, that's good. Let's uh, see what people say. It's difficult. I mean, if you look at the table right now, it's only two points separate in all three teams. Um, no. They're not. None of them are out of the weeds of, of being relegated. Um, you know, Bologna seemed like it would be the logical choice, but they're very frustrating to watch. Do you want to have – I mean, all three, I guess, would give you the heartache, I guess. But, you know, you, you think Spezia. I think Spezia is a very good shout. Um, I, I like the way Benevento play personally. I think they – it's, it's – it, it's, while it's never an easy game for them, they're going to make it entertaining, whether for them or the opposition, right? So I, I like that. I like the way uh, Inzaghi has his team playing. They played, obviously, very well in Seti B. Um, and they started out this season. I mean, both Spezia and Benevento are playing above expectations this season because both were obviously promoted, and many thought both these clubs were probably the teams that were not going to escape, um, all, probably all three teams, right? And so far, only Crotone is the one who's looking really poor at the moment. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I think Spezia. I mean, any of these teams you pick would be it would be good. There's obviously some good prospects with Bologna. There's there's some good choices there. I mean, the talent. If you're looking at talent alone, Bologna is the team to go. You, you, Mihalovic is a fantastic story. Um, you know, front to back, it's just talent on this team. But 
they're very underperforming. They're not as bad as Fiorentina, but they're very underperforming. Um, and so do you want to support that? Do you want to support a team like Spezia who is punching way above their weight? Uh, fantastic manager. You got some young and up-and-coming players. Um, or, you know, go to a team like Benevento who just don't care what, what you know, who they play. They just want to play their style of football, whether it's good or bad. So it's an interesting question. I'm curious what people are going to say, you know, about that. So um, Tyler Sharma says, I think Mihalovic will figure something out. Hopefully he does. Hopefully he does. He, he He's figuring out the wardrobe, so let's see if he can figure it out on the pitch, right? Do you – boy, the Saputos would really have to – if they wanted, if they felt like Bologna was underachieving to a level where they might need to have somebody with some new ideas, considering everything that Mihalovic is, boy, that is a delicate situation, isn't it? it, it no, it's it certainly is, right? It's uh, I don't know. You got to treat that with kid gloves. You almost have to give like at least another season, you know, give him an, another year because it's it's yeah, it, I it's agree. Super cruel to to let him go. Given everything he's gone through, I mean, just and, and he's wearing Air Jordans on the side. On the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just for that, you got to let him have it. Was that Tar Heel blue? Was he's wearing? I don't know. It was this uh, interesting, interesting outfit for sure. He <laughs> was managing Milan. He was like dressed like a a waiter. Like <laughs> I think I made that comment. Yeah, he had, he had like shiny red vest. He like look or look, you know, one of those like as like Mihailovic was dressed like he should be bringing fresh bread to my table. <laughs> Like, I'm waiting for him to wear that Michael Jackson red leather jacket. You know, that's what's next for him. I think <laughs> <laughs> he'd be the one to do it too. Yeah, absolutely. With the Air Jordans. <laughs> so, so we'll see. So we'll uh, we'll put that poll up, and I'm curious to see how that turns out. So, you're, if if you were if you had to start do it all over it again and followed Serie A and could only support one of these three teams, which one is it? Spezia, Bologna, or Benevento? Let's see what we got there. All right, let's move on to goals of the week. Goals of the week. Uh, I have like half the goals of this, of this thing. Why don't you go first in this one? Richard is going to be a participation medal guy and just get all <laughs> all thirty two goals. All thirty two goals equal. are going to make goal of the week this week. Number one. <laughs> um. All right. So I, I got I I have one, two, three. I got to pick a fifth. All right. So, um, fifth for me is. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Insigne with the uh, Zielinski back heel as as my number five. Probably pass, yeah. Yep. Uh, Number four, I am going to go with the effort from Sanabria. Uh, Number three, I'll go with the effort from Unas, uh, both from the same game. Number two, I'm going to go with the uh, Rajanangalan bomb from 35 yards out. And then my goal of the week, the curling free kick from Krunic de Bruyne uh to uh get Milan off and running against Hellas Verona. Yeah, fine. I that's in the background. That's fine. But still, I, even if, if he was playing for another team and scored that, that would have been my goal of the week. Uh what a goal. Yeah, no. No, that, that there's all all good goals. There's a lot of good goals this weekend. So, uh like I said, there's a lot of goals on my list. My honorable mentions, I'll start with uh Llorente. I thought he did a fantastic job. He was getting pulled down on the play and finds a way to get a toe on it and finds a way to get in the goal. Honorable mention there. Morata, his goal was an honorable mention. The first one, not the penalty. Uh, Sanabria, that's one of my honorable mentions there. Uh, Jao Pedro, I thought, uh, did a fantastic job to not only get the first initial shutoff, but then get the rebound. Okay. Um, Medezinski, I mentioned this before, a wonderful thumping shot on his goal in the Sampdoria match. Sticking with that match, Gabi Adini as well with a long-distance range shot, and, and Osiman. So those are all my honorable mentions. All were fantastic goals. 
Number five for me, I'm going to go with Recha. Uh, his goal plus his celebration. I mean, he's doing some freaking flips after his goal too. So, I mean, it was just, it was just really well taken there. Uh, number four is uh, I'm actually going to go with Milinkovic. Uh, he had like a karate volley in front of the goal there, a loose ball, and he just threw himself up there, a center back, uh, you know, doing a nice volley from – it was easily a six foot, six foot high in the air that he got it. So, very well done there. Number three for me is actually going to be – a combination it's Milan guys, Krunic and Dalo. Never expecting those guys to score goals. Fantastic goals. Mm-hmm. Wasn't quite enough to make my top two, but both of them were very well taken. Number two for me is going to be uh, Adrian Rabiot. I thought it was a very well taken at a difficult angle at the top cor- top corner. Yeah, it was a good goal. Really good goal by, by Rabiot. You rarely say that about him, right? So maybe that's the shock factor kind of raised up for me. And then number one, um, we talked about this in the Crotone Torino matchup. It was just the whole circumstances of Unas getting taken down, you know, red cards, and then you know kicking the ball off, and then going through three guys and scoring a goal um, mm. off the off the post, no less. So that's my goal of the week, Adam Unas. Okay. What was everybody else's goals of the week? Go to at City I Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. And now the moment you've all been waiting for: uh, the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won? Calcio Twitter. Let's get right to it. Richard, who leads us off? Oh, it's a recurring, uh, I don't know. I don't even know. How to, Nino. Re- repeat, repeat offender. Repeat our, offender. Our, repeat, yeah, repeat okay. offenders. Our, 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 our like nominees that. that keep getting multiple nominees are repeat offenders. Repeat offenders. Nino. Nino's back in our lives. Uh, his tweet says, uh, AC Milan completely dominate Udinese tonight. This is the Udinese-Milan game from the midweek. Uh, simple three points for the Rossoneri. Uh, 7-1, seven penalties for Milan in stoppage time. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, all right. So, uh, at Antonius Jody 86 hey, I didn't know AC Milan just modernized their crest. And- <laughs> Instead of the black and red stripes and cross, it's a uh, penalty spot. Yeah, very funny. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Uh, This is also a good one from that match. Uh, It's from Ian Ferraro. It says, anyone have Shrieker Larson's address in Udene? I want to send him a panettone. One of the good ones. No reasons. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, anyone who saw that red, that was worthy of a who won couch on Twitter. I mean, I I don't know what he was doing, but it was a stupid penalty made uh, controversies spike up after that. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you know how he was kind of like uh, palling around with Kyer before he went into the game. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he was just like, "Hey, that's uh, my fellow Dane, and he's got a better shot at winning this thing than I do. So let me help him out." National team, if I help you out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 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 if I if I if I do this for you, will you make sure you put in a, put in a word to get me into the uh, national team? There yeah, you go. Yeah, there you go. Um. All right. Uh, at underscore Neratsuri, another one of our repeat offenders. Hmm. Um. Adam Digby uh, had said, uh, I, sh- I know, I should have told him I'm an Inter fan. In five years, they'd say I definitely cheated, but the statute of limitations has expired, so I'd be able to play again. <laughs> and uh, in response to that, he goes, try appealing 30 more times. <laughs> uh, nice, nice. Uh, next one comes in from uh, Jerry Mancini. He says, uh, Roma can be the top club. Wink. <laughs> I like Jerry, but you know what? He used this damn picture for like about five Everybody. or six different yeah, things. I know. I know. This so is the one I like. like... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as a Laziali, it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. At Ricky for real, under, uh, I ain't going to lie, I smell match fixing. I mean, look how well, bad it is. It's to our point. You know, Stryker Larson's in cahoots with Kyer so he can get into the Dane national team. So. Oh, look how bad it is. Oh, there it is. 
basketball. This is so bad. What are you doing? I don't know. I'm like, like I'm. Th- this is my. I mean, you're playing my favorite team, and I'm actually mad that you did this. Oh my goodness! I know. Like, I know. <laughs> uh, anyway, this one comes from at ninety five Marco V, and it's a picture of uh, LeBron James and. Uh, JR Smith. Smith, yeah, and he's like, he's insinuating behind the other one's Bakayoko, and he's like, What are you doing, man? Come on, nice, nice, nice. All right, uh, Nima Tavali is uh nominated here. You have to actually play the video where uh, I believe, yep, it's uh, I can't, I think it's Spanish commentary Real Madrid against uh, Munchen Gladbach, and yeah. Nima just says, Mood. <laughs> And uh, the guy's name sounds like Menomina, and so you see the Menomina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty funny. Pretty funny. Well put together there by Nima. <laughs> uh, next one in uh, was coming from uh, Michael Lisi. So the uh, Laziale posted this uh, tweet. It says, uh, "Extracker Ravinelli, Lazio can beat anyone in Italy. Juve in a total emergency." And then Michael Lisi chimed in. I was hoping he would offer his opinion. <laughs> yeah, Ravinelli. Uh, what color is his hair these days? Uh, it looks silver at that point. Yeah. At uh, Raffaele Naples 7, uh, Napoli, Napoli di Sari, Napoli post Sari. <laughs> all right, all right. Neither, uh, of them would, neither of them would be my cup of tea. So Yeah, yeah. this one is pretty funny. Um, it's actually it's, it's, uh, Il Verbo, so at Verbo underscore I-L. And the uh, announcer, not her, but the, the, the man, he says, uh, he says something you probably shouldn't say on air. Uh, it was, uh, if you know what Figa means and, uh, you'll know what this is about, but, uh, definitely go check it out. It's, it's very funny because it's an on-air slip and on-air. Oops. Uh, did not mean to say that. I know that, but anyway, <laughs> very funny. Oh, what, 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 okay. So, uh, tell, what is Figa? It means a, uh, um, hoo-ha. Um, what's the polite way, way to say this? A woman's vajayjay. Oh, yeah. All so. right. Uh, let's see. I'll show you the transition right there. There, you can see the transition right there if you want to see it. But <laughs> uh, anyway. not good. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Forza Milan at, at UK underscore AC Milan. This was back on uh, March six, which would be. Saturday, this was in relation to the Juve Lazio game. These commentators realize the old lady isn't going to shag them, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice, nice. All right, so uh, Milan Club Philly nominated this one from Milan Club Dublin, uh, and it says, goal, free kick from Krunic. We don't even have a goal graphic for him. One nothing, Milan. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you have to dig. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, let's see. Uh, Jake at that Milan fan nominating. Krunic uh, uh, v KDB. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know who's better, Krunic or De Bruyne. It's it's very difficult. It is. Uh, and Rio Ferdinand's just saying, just try to just enjoy them both. <laughs> and speaking of that, you know, our friend Rohit Rajiv says uh, at Kiri Lisa says uh, Krunic De Bruyne. There, there you go. go. There it is. Combine them both. Right. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, Gianni Delicoli, uh, who 
tried to create a rift between Richard and myself here uh, in recent days. Oh, he nominated himself on this one. He did. He nominated himself. He did. That's the other thing. I mean, one, one, you, first, Gianni, <laughs> I like you. All right. But here, first, first, be funny. Okay. Second, stop nominating yourself because if you're funny and I catch it, I'll put you it up. You started there. it. You started the voting yourself. So I, you brought this upon yourself. <laughs> I brought this upon myself. You're the first one to nominate yourself. Well, I didn't. Well, <laughs> but it was funny. But the, the difference is, is when I nominate myself, it's because it's funny. Okay. To be, to be fair, Mario Rui could be my father. <laughs> Look at him. Look at him. Yeah, he's like I, 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 I notice a resemblance here. He's got more gray hair than me, and I'm ten years his senior. Mario Rui is the oldest twenty-nine-year-old I've seen. <laughs> this may be the winner, folks. Uh, came from Uncle Sharma uh, the other day, and it says, "Happy International Women's Day" with Sylvia Berlusconi. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh man. Oh, man. Um, bunga bunga. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, Devry reminded Conte about his yellow card. You gotta listen to the audio on this. It's pretty funny, but Devry, Devry being funny, so I nominated uh, Devry for his comments in this one, not Uncle Sharma. Sorry, Uncle. Uh, all right, we're wrapping up on this one. Uh, Michael Lisi today in the uh, Porto Juventus matchup. He says, "Hey, Porto is playing Abate at right back today." <laughs> it was what, that bad. I, I didn't get that. Uh, the guy was playing terrible. There's gonna beat down the right hand flank. All right, uh, Steve. With just if you know, you know. Hashtag who you, I, Steve. Yeah. What was that about, Steve? If you're listening, what was that about? Could you probably you vet this losing? Yep. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, at uh, Dan Colosimo, uh, two hundred year old houses have better walls than this. Uh, with a still of the Juventus wall on the freak. It's just such. Oh, a, look how bad that is. Look how like, bad that is. Tragic. That's just tragic. You want to win the Champions League and that's your wall? Your five guys are not even close to each other. They're not even touching. Yep. <laughs> $100 million man has turned around with his legs open. Yep. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, this one, you, you kind of brought it up earlier. It was Adam Digby, his comment. And for those who didn't see it in. Uh, about the uh, inter thing, it was it was I nominated that as uh, who won culture nominee. It was funny, uh, and so it was a comment in response to that. But uh, <laughs> this one I nominated here uh, at Ginyo underscore Shin Andrea Pirlo at the press conference. Ronaldo, we nicknamed him the magician because he disappears when we need him the most. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Uh, at at uh, Jimmy with two eyes, uh, nine nine nine. Ronaldo was going to take the penalty, but then Chesney told him it's penalty for Porto. <laughs> oh, poor Ronaldo! Poor Ronaldo. Well, you can't uh, blame him. You know, it was Portuguese. I mean, I can, yeah. I can see it. From at Rafael H one one seven says, if Juventus had invested in Bitcoin instead of Cristiano Ronaldo, they'd be the world's richest club by landslide. Can't argue that. Can't That's argue true. that. <laughs> Uh, and he also comes in with another one. Three years of Cristiano Ronaldo taking all of Juventus's free kicks with stormtrooper accuracy just to be knocked out by a free kick. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, that's all of them. That's all of them. Oh, man. All right. Uh, this might be the worst who won Calcio Twitter ever, with all due respect. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, some good. There were a couple good ones in there. When you I... have when you have some of the ones that have won recently, man, they're they're, they're a hard act to follow, though. To, they are, to be they fair, are. 
I'm gonna go with Uncle Charma. Happy International Women's Day. Uh, repeat winner for me. I'm with you. Uh, yep. Is that uh, Uncle Charma's won multiple times though, hasn't he? He has. He has. All right. I yeah. This is this is this is the winner. Um, let's see. Uh, I'll I'll go ahead and offer the congratulations. Uh, so once again, Uncle Sharma is our winner. Uh, happy International Women's Day and celebrating with a picture of Silvio Berlusconi with a uh, thing of flowers and uh, off to meet one of his uh, bunga bunga girls. I would imagine one for each girl, I guess. Right? <laughs> yeah. How many are there? Too many to count. Too many to count. I don't know. Uh, and that's you know so many. I'm surprised no one mentioned anything about uh, Zlatan hitchhiking to San Remo uh, instead of you know in the same week of uh, Udinese. You know people were talking about how bad the Udinese game was, and you know part of that was because Zlatan was focusing his attention on going to San Remo, the music festival, as opposed to his team's success. So he got a lot of stick for that. And hitchhiking to the to the festival is also part of that as well. So surprised no comments came from that. But yeah. Yep, it's what it is. So, all right, Uncle Sharma, uh, another repeat winner here of Who Won Calcio Twitter. I guess we've been doing this now for, what, eight months almost? Yeah. Six to eight months, so it, it shouldn't be a surprise that we we have repeat winners of this now. So, yeah. so Uncle Sharma is the winner this week. Uh, once again, hashtag Who Won Calcio Twitter. Keep it all together. Keep it funny without being offensive and intrusive to other fan base, terribly intrusive to other fan bases. I mean, I think you're all smart enough to know what a dig would be at a fan base and what would just completely offend a fan base. So, you know, Maybe. understand the difference and, you know, hashtag it. And if you don't hashtag it, we're randomly looking at Twitter. We're randomly, randomly going through the Calcio accounts. We'll pop them up there as well. So um, we had quantity this week, Richard. But I, I, I'm going to say this right now, uh, the quali- quantity, but not so much quality. Uh, you know, we, we may get more coming out of this UVA game from today for tomorrow. Watch, so maybe next week we'll have more. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, we could, we could have some, we could have some good ones here coming up. But uh, you know, we, we, to all of you in Calcio Twitter, I'm, I'm telling you right now, up your game. Uh, we can, we can be better than this. So, bring it. Bring it. <laughs> so. All right, so with that, we're going to put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. Shameless plug time, Richard. Yeah, uh, obviously, just follow all of our uh, social medias. Uh, and uh, for those who've been, you know, following with us, you know, thank you so much. Uh, you can follow me always at r underscore k h a r m a n. You can follow me at ftc underscore twenty one. Give a shout out to at United Daily Pod and give them a follow. Um, that's where, uh, I appeared, uh, on their podcast, uh, this morning to, uh, break down the upcoming Europa League game between Manchester United and AC Milan, um, along with the help of Matt Santangelo, past guest here. Um, also, uh, Ben Pierce is the, uh, the guy who runs the show there. He is at Ben Pierce talks, all small letters. Uh, be sure to give him a follow as well. Uh, does some really good work with his stuff. Uh, you know, if you're, um, you're, you're, you're looking to, uh, to follow a Manchester United account, follow him. Um, 
City so yeah, sit down. We have our own channel on Apple Podcasts. We have our own channel on SoundCloud. We can be found on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever there's podcasts. There's City yeah, Sit Down. Uh, at City yeah, Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, comment uh, anything uh, that you want to from this podcast or questions or topics for future podcasts. We'd love to hear them. We're also available on Facebook, um, though we're rather scarce there these days. Uh, but you're welcome to. You're welcome to send a message. We might we might get it. We might answer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, check out all of those social media platforms here on the YouTube page. If this is the first time you have caught us and you like what you saw, please subscribe. Please drop a like on this video. It helps us out big time. It means a lot to us. Uh, chat. Grazie. Okay. Great stuff, uh, as always. Um, and uh, same time next week, Richard. Let's do this again, huh? Same bad time, same bad channel. I, we can't. Can we use that? Why not? Right. We're taking everything that, else. Adam West is dead, isn't he? I don't know. It's a good question. That's a good question. Good question. But anyway, we'll answer it next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's something we can find out for next time. Yeah. So uh, we will catch up with you guys again uh, a week from now. So for Richard, I'm Frank. As always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.